Welcome to the Spire Director's Commentary Podcast, recorded by Grant Howitt and Chris Taylor. Following a successful Kickstarter campaign, we agreed to record commentary for each chapter of the Spire RPG, a fantasy punk game about insurrection, oppression, and horror, and release it to our backers. We wanted to talk about the decisions that led us to design Spire the way we did and show our working as best as possible. What you are about to listen to is a podcast made up of those files, arranged into blocks an hour or so long. We encourage you to start from episode one and move forward from there. Why don't you tell the audience who you are? Uh, my name is Chad Walker. I uh, professionally I cyber at things for a big organization. Um, I really like security stuff. I really like teaching security stuff. Uh, but that stuff's boring, so I make <laughs> games. Uh, so you said cyber edit. Yeah. What's a cyber edit? I cyber at things. Oh right. So like so oh, so like so you put you you using cyber here as a verb. Yes. And not in the sort of cyber sex sense. No, not nope. nope. No. Okay. Uh, so so you also make games. Yes. And you most famously, I suppose, as far as I'm aware, Cryptomancer. Is there anything else that the audience should be aware of? Yeah, I got another game coming out, uh, Sigmata. Oh, yeah. It's an 80s game about fighting a fascist regime. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's messed up. We, um, we... So uh, I, I read Cryptomancer be about 18 months ago, I think, nearly two years ago. I, I read it for the first time, I was very impressed with it, and a little bit jealous... Because like a lot, a lot of the ideas I was then working on with Spire, uh, Chad had just done really cleanly, and uh, Spire ended up diverging to be to be a, a, a little bit further away from what Cryptomancer was. Although I think I think they certainly share some of the same um, inspirations and I suppose tone of bringing fantasy in, into the modern era and thinking about how fantasy tropes would evolve. What drew you? I say, what drew you to Spire? Did I ask you, or did you ask me? I asked you, actually. What, uh, what drew you to Spire? So I saw, it was simple. Uh, I saw mm-hmm. you tweeted about it or somebody retweeted your tweet or whatever, mm-hmm. however social works nowadays. <laughs> and it was a picture Adrian did of just the Spire. It's that one where it's kind of just kind of yellow and glowing in the sun. Yeah. And yeah. the combination of it being fantasy resistance and this beautiful image, uh, it really evoked stuff i had already been working on with cryptomancer mm. and i thought holy shit that could be a cryptomancer setting so yeah I, I explored a little more and was intrigued so i'm like hey man let me uh let me help you out with this one yeah and i'm like oh it's the guy who wrote the game i like <laughs> it was it's, it's really nice it's really really lovely for you, to, for you to, to get in touch um so let's talk a little bit about the book that you wrote so it's called secrets kept from the sun yeah so uh so after I asked you guys and you, you agreed, you sent me over or you gave me a link to some Google Docs and I was reviewing yeah. your stuff and also looking at some of the art you guys had shared. Mm. And so I read it and it was about this, you know, these dark elves resisting an occupation. Uh, mm. And they also, you know, they were wearing these like almost Middle Eastern garb to protect yeah. themselves from the sun. And also reading some of just the the sort of fundamentalism of the, the resistance and the fact that they were organized around religion. Hmm. And I decided, holy shit, this game is about Hezbollah. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> um, so, so basically I was like, yeah, I need to, I need to write a module 
about how an organization like Hezbollah uh, mm. or, you know, their more twisted cousins, whether it's Al-Qaeda or, you know, so on and mm. so forth. How do those organizations um, protect themselves from an occupier, from a significantly more powerful military force? Mm. How do they use like networked organization instead of hier hierarchical organization to mm. uh, protect themselves and make them resilient? Yeah. Um, and, so yeah, that was the approach. Yeah, and so it seems like you've um, you've taken you've, you've taken existing and practiced methods of, um, of 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 counter counterintelligence, as it were, and then translated them into spy and into fantasy. What what sort of fantasy elements do you feel that you sort of strong armed in there, or perhaps what sort of fantasy elements did you struggle to include? Uh, well. The, the game's technology was very, uh, it was kind of all over the map, right? It wasn't... Oh, 100%, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't clearly like, all right, I need to get into a medieval mode, or I need to get into a <laughs> cyberpunk mode, or steampunk, or whatever. It was yeah, all over the place, so it gave me a lot of freedom. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we've, we, we, we've buried technology in holes uh, all over the setting, which people can dig up if we want them to have something that's anachronistic. Yeah, that, and that's a great idea, it's fun. Um and the thing I focused on really is you guys had already come up with some of the coolest ideas in terms of tradecraft already. Oh, so okay. you, you, had, you had mentioned that, you know, the, uh, the ministry uses like newspaper articles to, mm. to communicate in one of your early drafts. So yeah. I just, I just ran with that cause it was such yeah. a good idea. Um, and, and the newspaper gives a, uh, it, it decouples the, the ministers who are doing the work from yeah. the leadership. So mm. it gives them a communication channel where they never actually have to meet. And that's so yeah. important because... And, and, you, and, you, can, and you, can, you can buy it without being... Or you can collect it without being seen picking up a secret message. Exactly. I'm just picking up the mm. newspaper, man. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... I kind of just rallied with some of the stuff you guys already included. Uh, mm. You did all the hard, li heavy lifting, I think. I just made <laughs> I it a, think, a little I'm concrete. I'm not sure anyone lifted anything heavy during this. It was a role-playing game, but sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's talk a little bit about your... I'm actually kind of interested in talking about your upcoming project, if that's all right. Yeah, that's fine. Because because uh, Sigmata is, like, it follows... Like, again, it's following it's following uh, parallel tropes to spy. I, I, I think... I think you and I are both interested in the same things, except you do research, and and I I merely guess what what might be going on. Like it was really fascinating. If 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 you if you've got time, and and I mean if you've got time, go to Chad's website, um, the uh, the crypto website. What's what, what's the name of the crypto website you run for Cryptomancer? Uh, no, just like your standard crypto website. Oh, I don't have a, a standard crypto website. Oh, okay. I was reading. I, I seem to remember that you wrote a blog about like about decentralized intelligence. And oh, things, things shit! Like that. that that's called third degree centrality, and that yeah. I wrote many years ago. I mean, years. Okay. Well, anyway, it was fascinating because like I'd met Chad, and he he seemed like a perfectly nice guy. And then I'm just reading the level of detail in which it is possible to go into it, and also that Chad knows this shit is mind-boggling to me. It's like it's 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 like discovering one of my friends is actually a brain surgeon or something. <laughs> it's it seems unfathomable that I could be in the same room, um, but Chad's um, knowledge of, and I suppose knowledge and I suppose like fascination, I think it's fair to say, with intelligence and and cryptography and the 
the of of trying to operate without being too without being too open about it is almost unparalleled and certainly unparalleled in the in the role playing game scene. So Sigmata is a it's kind of a cyberpunk superhero game. Is that right? That's exactly right. Uh, it's a okay. game about cyberpunk superheroes waging an ethical insurgency against a mm. fascist regime that took over the U.S. Mm. Um, their power is actually given to them by FM radio towers emitting a special number sequence called the signal. Oh, nice. mm-hmm. And so there's a strong relationship between uh, the resistance able to capture and repeat, capture radio towers and repeat the signal Mm. Uh, and the heroes being superheroes, because if the That's resistance nice can't keep the towers up, then mm. our heroes are just mere mortals. Okay. That's that's um. That's fairly elegant. I like that. <laughs> that works quite well. I'll be honest with you. I um. I I saw you were writing a role playing game. I went to the Kickstarter page. I immediately backed it, and then I didn't read it because <laughs> I was oh I backed that now. I don't need to do that. <laughs> it's awesome. I, 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 yeah, I'm like I'm 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 sure I'm sure it's great. I just like I've I, I've picked up the um, I've picked up the setting and the like the information through things that you shared and through sort of glimpses here and there. But I think I've I've almost been sort of keeping it at arm's length because I know it's going to be good and I don't want to sort of I I want to sort of dive into it as it were when it comes out. Cool. Hmm. Um. I think that's covered most of what I want to ask you. Really, like you've that you've you've um you've talked very intelligently about um crypto and that i think is, is, is there any sort of are there any other facets um because because like we we gave you quite a short um quite quite a small amount of of, uh, of words to play with we gave you six thousand words to write something uh and you focused very heavily on the on the interaction between the the ministers and their um magisters and the upper echelons of that when trying to conceal their efforts from the uh, from the from the occupying force are there any other effort, are there any other things in the world which you saw which 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 you were like oh you know I'll, I'll be interested in exploring that i'd be interested in in looking more into that mainly just to sort of clue people who are listening on to the fact that maybe there's a crypto campaign inspire yeah so uh this is work i'm doing in sigmata but i'd be interested mm-hmm. in exploring if if the ministry is really trying to do a people's insurgency to oust an occupier, mm-hmm. like any insurgency, they have to both win over the local population and they also mm. have to win over the international community. So in this case, yeah. it would be other fantasy races or other local groups to come mm. in and apply external pressure, whether it's economic, kinetic or, mm. uh, you know, so on and so forth. And so, is kinetic just like is, is that shooting at them? What's yeah, kinetic pressure? Yeah, that's kinetic pressure. Okay, right, cool. That's uh, that's, that's that's a great Americanism. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we lived in dark times, man. Um, mm. But anyway, I'd be interested in maybe uh, gamifying that because ah, like 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 the next level up, as it were. Exactly, the, the global would, element. Yeah, it would add strategic elements because the thing about Spire is even the resistance groups. Are really effed up. I mean, there are some yeah. dark stuff, and yeah. there are like we were really hard not to have any goodies. Yeah, there's, yeah. Uh, and that's good. I like that nuanced approach. But if mm. if the organization is so twisted and so evil that mm. even the people are like, man, I don't mind these high elves because at least they don't do blood <laughs> sacrifices, <laughs> right? At, le- um, at least they keep their blood sacrifices behind closed doors. Yeah. And another fascinating thing with resistance movements, and this again, this is mm. something I explore in Sigmata, mm-hmm. but there's frequently factions among the resistance that hate each other and yeah. vie for power and vie for influence. 
Mm. Um, so those things might be hinted at in the text, but I'd like to see them like gamified potentially. Yeah, one, one thing I was interested in in looking into, like, because we don't have rules for PvP in the game, because we just weren't really interested in telling that story. We'd much rather have the world, you know, affect the players. Uh, but one thing I'd be interested in is trying to trying to either bolt on a system or, or write one which weaves into the existing, where you've got rules for secret police, as it were. You've got rules for people infiltrating infiltrating your cell, and you've got rules for even if it's not just like someone who's a strict double agent, like benefits for selling information and putting people into situations where they would be compromised in that way. I think that would be kind of a fun story to tell. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, and I, I gotta say, like, so I like your project because I think resistance stories are important right now, mm-hmm. but, but not, not airbrushed resistance. So when I say airbrush, I'm talking mm. about like Star Wars Rebellion, right? Like that's very, yeah. it's so airbrushed and it's so soft. They all seem pretty switched on, like those, like, like, like the resistance movement in, in, in Star Wars. They seem like they're doing all right. They've got plenty of stuff. Yeah, they got plenty of stuff, yeah. and and, uh, and they're fighting fair as well, which is the other thing. exactly they're fighting fair. So like it's yeah. uh, it's really hard to empathize, and also clearly airbrush resistance stories are not working because mm. god damn it, half the population in the real world is cheering for the evil empire ninety yeah. percent of the time, right? Yeah. Like they'll go to a movie and they'll be like, yeah, that empire is bad. But then when the stormtroopers are basically beating up minorities and shooting people in their cities, yeah. they're like, go Empire, right? I, so w- one of the things which really surprised me is like uh, during the Kickstarter, um, like we announced that uh, we were going to have these splat books coming out. So we had Black Magic, which is the, I think like, Black Magic is the biggest one we've done. So it's got um, a new class and uh, two additional like um, subclasses on top of it and a load of rules for demonology and stuff. And so we we started putting these out, and then like more than one person asked, like, "Oh, are we gonna are we gonna get rules to play as the oppressors?" No, what? No. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's really weird. It's like, yeah, it's really weird. It's like, well, like I think you need an entirely different game, and also it's a really weird story to tell, mate. It is. People are messed up. Um, I mean, that is that is Warhammer forty thousand, and I will say I enjoy a bit of the old Warhammer forty thousand, but I think you have to sort of occupy a. A level of camp around the ridiculous ultraviolence and around the sort of um, monotheistic, massive, um, non non moving, non evolving, archaic human culture slowly sort of crumbling over the galaxy, but trying to deny that it's crumbling. There's something fun to play with there, but you have to like. I don't. I think I don't think I feel super comfortable going in and burning a load of socialists because they were socialists, <laughs> right? Which is um, something that's which is something which which Warhammer demands. <laughs> it does. Uh, I think so. When I was asked the same question during Sigmata's mm. development, can I play as the the fascist regime? Mm. Uh, I very politely said, "You should check out a game called Winterhorn." Um, What's Winterhorn? It, it's uh, it's a game where you basically it's sort of like a LARP or like a light game, but you okay. you play as the quote regime, and the mm. idea is to educate the the player on what a state will do to disrupt and break down yeah. like resistance communities and people cool. and okay. so at least that's a nuanced and like teaching uh method yeah. of playing the the regime but yeah some dudes just want to play stormtroopers man well, and this what's, is what's, that's what's scary um is it dog eat dog i think 
Is the other one? There's that there's that, there's that game where one where one of you plays the colonists and, and the, the rest of you play um, people who people, people play natives like indigenous people. That sounds about right. And, um, and the 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 core mechanic is um, there's no there's no GM. Um, if you roll and um, and a an indigenous person wins, the GM can ask for a re-roll, and if, uh, sorry, sorry, the, the, the colonial player can ask for a re-roll, and if the colonial player is still unhappy, they can just say they win. <laughs> and shit, and, and also the colonial player is played by the played by out of character, the person who earns the most money. And like, there's a lot of really unsettling stuff in there, but there's a lot of fun to be had there too. And yeah. I think that um, I think I think that I think Spire is um, it's not airbrushed, but there's definitely a. Um, fantasy element and I don't mean about the elves it's like yeah you know what you and your compatriots can make a change by doing something daring and like actually it's not really how it's going to work but I think there's something cathartic and perhaps a little bit valuable in that and Sigmata um, and any game which allows you to you know fight the power as it were I totally agree Mm. thank you very much if people want to learn more about you where can they go uh, you can just Google uh, Sigmata, this signal kills fascists, or mm-hmm. Cryptomancer. Uh, I don't really have a presence myself, I guess. Oh, okay. So, how mysterious. Uh, well, how, I, I don't matter. How ma- cryptic. I don't matter. <laughs> Games matter. <laughs> I, I don't, so. Okay. All right, yes. Um, search Cryptomancer. It's, uh, I, again, I can't recommend enough. It's a wonderful game, and once Sigmata... Is really, have you got a release date on that yet? You got a rough idea when that's coming out? Yeah, I'm hoping. I mean, my target date is July 4th, uh, Insurgency okay. Day. Put that in your <laughs> pipe and smoke it. <laughs> All right, brilliant. Um, thank you so much for for chatting to us, and hopefully, speak to you soon. Thanks, man. Hello, hi, hello, and welcome to an interview with Mary Hamilton. Mary, who the Mary hell are you? Hello, um, I am Grant and Chris's business partner. Mm-hmm. I'm also Grant's life partner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm Chris's friend. We haven't had that conversation Confirmed. recently. Yeah. Um, See, it's weird because I view Chris as my life partner and you as my spouse. Huh. Well, okay. Awkward. Yeah. Oh, well. So, um... <laughs> Pending the incipient divorce. Um, well, we've all got the same lawyer, so we, we should make things quite easy. <laughs> At least it'll be quick. Yeah. Yeah. So. Tim. Okay. So I am in, in Rowan Rick and Deckard. I am Rowan. Mm-hmm. Um, I am the producer on Spire and indeed on most of the rest of what we do as a yeah. as a collective. Um, I also do things like running the finances and. Um, project management and making sure that you know we have the right legal support in place mm. to be an actual business and do real like proper grown-up things uh, like spire yeah it's a big proper grown-up thing yeah and so we've uh we've worked with mary for a long time mm-hmm. um i don't i can't I don't, don't think we've ever not worked with mary come to think of it no. given that the first game we worked t- together on we hired her as a gm before it happened and that we brought you brought you into zombie up. Yeah. Um, and then we yeah, got was... married. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Mm. Mm. So I'd like to thank Games for that. So what sort of what sort of responsibilities did you have? Um, w- making sure. So if I'm going to answer your question for you, 
<laughs> I view you. I view you as the person at the helm of the ship, and Chris. Chris is the sails, and I am the wind. Yes, I can. I can see that metaphor. That kind of makes mm, sense because I'm loud, mm-hmm. and Chris is very big and very white. <laughs> I was about to call issue with that, but fair. You're, you're, you're yeah. both of those things. Yes. I think I think as well, creatively, a lot of the time, you are the motive force. You are the, the driving kind of creative I'm hard brain. to stop. Yes. Um, or steer. Behind a lot of what we do. Mm. Um, I think the, the flip side of that, though, is that I tend to be the person that gets the tedious admin phase done. Oh, my days, yeah. Um, so some of that is around helming and going, look, a thing is over there. We should make for that. And you go, oh, shit, yes. I can't hear you. I'm the wind. You get very excited. Um, and then a lot of the time I'm running around the ship kind of making sure that everything is in the right place. And mm. everyth- we bailed out the hole. Mm. You bail out holes, you bail out water. Bail out, you bail out water and fix the hole. Yeah, if you bailed out a hole, it's just, just a bigger hole. Mate. Yeah. Um, so and that's yes. how we run the ship. So that's that's in a metaphor mm-hmm. sense what do you do in a real sense so I do boring... so for Spire sorry what did you do to Spire so why are you here why am I here um, I make really good spreadsheets mm-hmm. so a lot of just what... the best yeah so initially Spire was a bunch of really good ideas in a Google Doc um, and I built a spreadsheet that helped us to see what we could afford to do with it um, how to structure the Kickstarter um, helped us make decisions about um what kinds of price points to charge um, and how to how to move forward. I also did um, a lot of things like during the um, production process, making sure that we'd gotten the right print quotes, actually negotiating with distributors and suppliers, um, paying people, making sure that we'd kind of taken good care of all of the all of the legal bits, all of the financial bits. Um, I do a lot of tedious admin, I do a lot of emails, I do a lot of paperwork, um, and um, I get to have the satisfaction of actually looking at it at the end of the day and going, this would still be a Google Doc if it weren't for a lot of the efforts that we've put in. Mm. Yeah. I think I think on a weekly basis, probably the most important thing I do is organise work. Mm. I do quite a lot of tedious work, but the majority of the value I think that I bring, and especially during Spire, when it's very easy to just get bogged down in draft seven thousand mm-hmm. and one um it was about keeping things on track keeping things moving forward and yeah. providing a kind of accountability for the pair of you yeah very much so yeah and i think i think one of the big things for me having you on board was that if grant and i just do something we might be able to sell it to one guy on the bus one time whereas you sort of have this sense of scale to things and the scope that you can put forward and go, no, 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 we can sell this to thousands of people. Thousands mm. of people will want this. You do convince us that our ideas are good, which I like very much. I think that's yeah. an important element of, of yeah. my role. Um, and a lot of it as well is about taking away the things that you guys don't want to do. Yeah. Like, the more you two focus, or the more you two can focus on the purely creative side, mm. the better that creative side is. Yeah. Um, so if there's a... Uh, like if if we if I need to phone three different printers in order to get a quote in order to decide which one of the several different litho printers in the UK we're going to go with, mm. you know that's 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 a thing I can do that means that you guys don't have to step away from the creative process. 
Um, I think that partnership, that partnership's really important to me as well. I, although a lot of the time I'm not creatively involved, I like to think that I'm facilitating the creative process. Oh, for sure. Mm, for sure, definitely. Like you've, you've opened up our horizon significantly. Let's get back to Spire. Let's get back to Spire. What challenges did you find? Oh, that's a boring question. What's your favourite part about Spire, Mary? I am... Um, oh, I mean, at the moment, honestly, it's the way the book smells. You do keep talking about that online. It's my favourite thing. It's amazing. It's it's very similar to the smell of new booster packs. Yeah. Mm, I think I prefer new booster packs in terms of stank. Mm, oh, I love but, them both. But it's it's a it's a really happy smell. It's a re- it's a proper kind of litho print. Really nice, really enjoyable smell. Please do um, smell your book if you haven't already. Please do. Um, because it'll go away. You know that smell doesn't last. That's true. And, and, and like this 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 is going at the end of the. Um, of the podcast as well, so like it might have faded by that point. Oof. Maybe we well, can flag it up in a in a post-it get, note on the first one. Get en- right in the crease. Enjoy the memory of the smell of your book. Um, no, I I think my favourite thing about it is the way that it encourages a group of people who, let's face it, historically speaking, have ten tend not to be the sort of people who have experienced dramatic amounts of oppression. You don't need to mince your words around this one, we, we understand. Right, but Spire is is an empathy machine. Mm. It puts people in the, the shoes of um, people who are facing something that um, most of the players of Spire will never have had to face. Mm-hmm. Um, and it provides ways to talk about that and ways to experience that and feel that that I think open up dialogue. Mm in a really important and interesting way. And like, play is how we learn as humans. Um, it's one of the key, um, it's one of the key drivers of, of learning skills and, and experiencing the world. We play at things. And I think, especially as adults, we, we lose sight of that a lot of the time. But play doesn't necessarily have to be pointless fun or meaningless indulgence. It can be serious, it can be deep, it can be complex, and it can do some pretty meaningful teaching. I think Spire's in a really interesting tradition there. Do you think we've got a opportunity in the role-playing market and the and the tabletop games industry to expand that and, and talk about some more important things? Probably. I mean, I'd say I'd say so. I think most. By we, I mean the industry rather than me and oh, Chris. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, most games, most of the best games, um, or certainly the games that I've enjoyed playing. Um, provide space to talk about something deep and meaningful. Mm. Like Changeling, for example, yeah. is an opportunity to talk about um, trauma mm. and the after-effects of trauma and the way that that can bring people together and also tear them apart. Mm. It's also, crucially, a game about being a fairy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it exists on multiple levels. In the same way, right? Spire is a game about being a dark elf and, and being a bit stabby and espionage but it's also a game about oppression and the desperation that it drives in people. Mm. Um and you know it's going to be up to every every GM how they build their story and how they make their world. It's like it's quite hard to not make it about oppression. You have to really try. Mm. It's doable. You have actually, to completely rewrite parts of it. One thing I haven't actually asked you yet, Chris. What's your favourite thing about Spire? My favourite thing about Spire is the is the reward system. Or the um, um, the refreshing and advances. It's kind of, but it's the way that. There's no real magic items in the game. Mm. There's no real currency. It's the way that you're rewarded with people, yeah, and with alliances, and it's about forming those bonds. Mm. 
um, and growing in personal power to overcome something rather than the external power of getting a plus five sword. What does the plus five do anyway? More magic. Just, it just, it's just more magic than the plus four sword. It's, yep. got, it's got loads of magic in it. I think actually yeah, it's a misinterpretation and it's actually more, more sword. Oh, it's just another sword. Mm. So it's just five swords. Yeah. Well, six. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> you've got the base sword. Getting the base sword, yeah. That's, that's, why, that's why you have to have the base sword. Then you, you have a sword plus five. So it's like being hit by five swords because actually it's just five swords very close to one another. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Mary, you, 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 you took our document... Uh, I, uh, scribblings, and you made it into Kickstarter. How? Um, yeah, how did that happen? How did that happen? Because we were there. <laughs> I don't really remember a lot of it. Um, I think, so I think, crucially, Alida took the document and turned it into into something absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Um, I took the idea and tried to turn it into something that would be viable. And like, I didn't write the Kickstarter page. You guys did that. I didn't do the video. You guys did that. Um, I didn't write the book, you guys did that. But what I did do was make the numbers dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, And I can talk in a, in a bit of detail about that if that's going to be interesting to people. If you um, reckon you can make numbers interesting. <laughs> it's something I've struggled with finding interesting. But, go! So, one of the things that I think is pretty vital for Kickstarters, if they're going to do well, if they can try and succeed, is to try and find ways to make success beneficial too many Kickstarters um, especially the small ones and some of the ones that we've we've done I think as well um, make it very easy for massive success to become a massive problem mm-hmm. by putting in stretch goals that don't um, that, that add to costs across the board um, or by um, by getting to a place where the the economics of fulfillment start to eat into mm. what's possible um, we've got some, you know, I've got some experience of running Kickstarter now. This is the third one that we've run. Uh, first one was Goblin Quest. The second one was Unbound, and both of those taught us, I think, a huge amount about yeah. how to structure things. And how to sell them as well. Yeah. One of the things that Unbound taught me um, really was about production values. You know, we had, we delivered Unbound. It's a beautiful book. It's it's um, it's a fantastic system. Um, but we discovered that due to the printing methods that we used um, and the uh, and to some extent also due to the distribution, we had problems with fulfilment where the book got damaged in the works um, in the in the process of of um, being sent out. Um, and I remember that quite early on, after we decided to make Spire, but a long time before we actually built the Kickstarter, we had a conversation about production values and what it was that we wanted to, to do with this book. Mm. Um, and that's actually built it's built into the values of the company now is that we um, we want to make things that last and we want Inspire to be something not just something that people could look at and that would be pretty and they could stick it on their shelves but something that could be um, used um, genuinely used um, and that could survive potentially many you know many many occasions of being taken down off the shelf, handed around a gaming group, thumbed through um, mm. to find the bits of information that you needed. Um, so we made the decision to put it to price it much higher than our previous products. Mm. Um, we Goblin wanted... Quest was eight quid. Sorry, Goblin Quest was eight quid. Exactly. Like we were looking at um, instead of doing print on demand through something like Lightning Source, um, we were looking at actually getting a dedicated print run. Um, and basically, what I did was I built a spreadsheet that let us put in approximate numbers for everything that we would need to spend. Mm. Um, to work out 
how much we'd need to um, we'd need to make on the Kickstarter in a worst case scenario in order to still break even at the other end of this. Um, the other element of that as well is one of our other values as a company is everybody gets paid. Mm. Um, so within that, we built in things like uh, the pair of you actually getting meaningfully paid for your work. Which still is really not, cool. Yeah, it was not, super good. Yeah, and it, I mean, what we put in was, was, was you know, for funding, was much less than minimum wage for the work that the pair of you had done over yeah, the years. Um, but the idea was that that as we as we funded, if if we overfunded, that part of that overfunding would actually go towards paying you guys a wage for mm. your work, um, in addition to paying our artists more, paying our designer more, um, and you know making sure that we could actually make the best possible product. Um, we made some decisions as a result of that towards the end of the um, towards the end of the process. Things like around the art prints that we've we've pulled out, um, we've spent quite a lot on art prints compared to our original budget um, because we wanted those to be litho printed rather than digital printed. We wanted them to look as gorgeous as as we could afford, um, and I think it's been worth it. You know, the quality on those is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy with them, um, but that meant that we we. we all of the hard work that we put into making those numbers work very early on has has worked really nicely for us. Um, if you're listening to this, by the way, and you're thinking of running your own Kickstarter, the single biggest tip I have for you is 10% contingency budget. Mm. That's not 10% of what you think you'll spend. It's 10% of the total you raise across all platforms. Um, because as your funding level goes up, the potential for something to go really, really badly wrong goes up. Mm. And that contingency yeah. budget is... Um, nothing short of crucial if it if everything goes well you end up with a little extra profit that you can then turn into investments into your next kickstarters or into like we're doing um in adventures or additional pieces of content hmm. um if, it, if things go badly you're going to need that fund um, and if you don't have it then I mean, that's that's how a lot of kickstarters fail something hmm. unexpected costs more than you'd think um and you end up because there's no contingency budget you end up eating into personal profit or literally not be having like not being able to fulfill something because you've already spent more than you've made yeah i think that's one of the things i see with a lot of kickstarters where all the numbers are so tightly tuned Mm -hmm. that if anything goes wrong at any point they get screwed yeah. And I think I think as well a lot of people approach Kickstarter with the idea of like, well, I just I just want to make this work. I just want to get my game out there. And actually, you need to approach it as I just want to make as much money as humanly possible <laughs> whilst doing something I like. Because it's because because like 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 we didn't get into this for the money. Like we this this is not a a, a, a wealthy person's business. No. Um, but I get to do my dream job and. The way the Kickstarter is set up is that you is, is, is that we can you know fund our business through that, but when I ran Goblin Quest for the first time, um, so when when we did the Kickstarter for Goblin Quest, I asked for I think was it fifty pounds? You asked for two thousand. Two thousand? No, 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 sorry, sorry. My payment. Oh yes. Was fifty pounds? Yeah, for writing a book. That, your chunk of that payment was, was yeah. fifty pounds. And that's that's a bad plan. Don't do that. No, try and pay yourself something. Ask for more money. Yeah. Um, I think, honestly, one of the biggest mistakes I see people make is the idea that funding a Kickstarter is the end. Yeah. Um, funding funding the Kickstarter is the beginning. Mm-hmm. Well... Um, a lot of the time. There is a bunch of work after that. 
Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, we did write the book before we launched the Kickstarter, so there was quite a lot of work. Sure, but at that point. So, but if, I'm, I'm talking about your point about um, you know people just want to get their book out there. They just yeah, want to yeah, get yeah, it yeah. into the world. People think <clears> that Kickstarter <throat> is the way that they make that happen. And then you actually have to do the fucking thing. You actually have to do the work. Mm. Um, and it's that bit of work, the bit that happens after the funding. And when you've got all the money the already. Oh. It would be. It's very, very easy to slack that off. Mm-hmm. Very easy, especially if you haven't done your research um, before mm. before making the Kickstarter. So, like going into the Kickstarter, we had three quotes for printing. We had two quotes for fulfilment, um, and two options crucially for fulfilment. One of them involving pallet shipping, and one of them involving individual packages. Um, we had quotes for all of the art, all of the design work, um, the design for the uh, newspaper clippings, mm-hmm. the printing of the newspaper clippings, literally every element that I could think of that we would need money for mm. was quoted and costed. Um, and we built all of that into a spreadsheet and then basically I've created a model that said what's the worst possible case yeah. here? What's the worst possible combination of things that people could pledge for that would mean that this that, that, that we ran really, really close to the wire? And then what's the number that we need to make that still break even? Mm. And we went from there. Um, and that's that's a I am I am risk averse as a human. <laughs> um, I especially especially around stuff like this. I want to build something that's absolutely watertight mm. because if it goes well, um, like th- there is no world in which fulfilling a Kickstarter should make people go, oh god, no, no, what do we do now? Mm. You know, it's got to be hot damn, this is incredible. Let's n- now we get to do the next thing. It's got to be exciting, um, and the more and if you if you're seeing big success, then that, that you've got to be able to scale and to cope with that. I should also note that um, if you are thinking of launching Kickstarter, we are available for hire. <laughs> If you want to borrow my spreadsheet, yeah. then, uh, <laughs> it only works for Spire, but you can change the names on it. Well, no, it's 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 a variation on the same spreadsheet I did for Goblin Quest. Oh, lazy, lazy, for, uh, lazy business manager. It's, I mean, it's got different details in it. <laughs> Grant, don't say lazy; she'll stop filling in the forms. That's true. We have no idea. So what? Sorry. Apparently, the form. Oh. Hmm. Um, no, thank you very much. Obviously. Um, do you have an, is there anything you're looking forward to that the business is producing? Is there anything any projects you're excited about or anything that you that you're interested in exploring more in Spire or outside of it? I'm really looking forward to Kings of Silver landing. Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing how other people's games play because I was mm. I was I was close enough to the playtest of that to just be blown away by what the players did with it, mm. um, and it looked like an enormous amount of ridiculous fun. Um, so I'm really hopeful about how that's gonna that's gonna go out. Yeah. Um, part of me is just really looking forward to all of the books being delivered and then I can lie down mm-hmm. yeah I can um, see Mary, Mary's been standing up for the last eight months <laughs> she's standing now um, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm worried about that we've, we've had to make some different decisions with the um, special edition around um, which features we put in mm. um, and I'm hoping that backers are going to be really excited about that rather than dismissive um, there's been there have been very few serious problems yeah. so far, which makes me really concerned that something is going to go absolutely abysmally wrong with like the US shipment. No, we're we're just good at this. <laughs> Don't jinx mm. it, man. Yeah, mm. <laughs> mm. I'm worried about that. Um, I've, I've ruined also, everything. <laughs> What's that? Every book is on fire. 
There's there's something. So I'm I'm looking forward to trying to see if we can get the resistance SRD out. Yeah. Into the world, um, because that's I think that's got. I think that's got. I would love to see other people use the the systems that you've created to do something, to do their own thing, um, to play in their own worlds. Um, and I'm also quite excited about Hunt. Well, we haven't discussed that in public yet. Oh, well, in that case, I'm definitely not excited about Hunt. And we don't know what that is and can't comment anymore on it. <laughs> um, I like to leave it there as a mysterious. That's good. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, Mary Hamilton, for yeah, taking time out of your busy schedule. Schedule? Schedule. Day. Day. That's the one. Exceedingly busy day. Exceedingly busy day where you're bothering the ducks in the park. Thank you for coming and hanging out with us and talking to us about Spire. You are very welcome. I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of what we've done. Yeah, it's nice, um, isn't it? It's well fancy. Mm. It's pretty rad. Um, my main concern, actually one of my major concerns now, is that we're going to have several hundred books. They're going to arrive at our house and I have no idea where we're going to put them. I think 500 books, isn't it? It's about In that, this yeah. quite small London flat. Yeah. <laughs> actually, new coffee table, new bed. So it's more than 500 books? It is now, yeah. Um, All right. It's fine. Well, um, well, we we can get a warehouse. It's fine. Yeah, well, we can, we can throw it at the table and replace it with books. Yes, exactly. Yes. Everything is spire. <laughs> um, I think that's. Like, I think that's the thing that a lot of. Um, sorry, I know you've just said that we're leaving, but can I can I, have, can I say one more thing? By, by all means. I think the thing that people often again that gets missed around these kinds of projects we are not a massive publishing house we are three people who are doing this Chris is very tall because we love it and I'm quite tall we're three people who are doing this because we love it um, and because we believe in what we're trying to make here Um, and you end up making all sorts of weird decisions about things that you otherwise would have absolutely no connection to in your life Mm. Um, I've learned so much from Aspire and I've learned so much from the pair of you as well um, and I'm I'm really excited to see what we do next I'm mm. really happy about what we've done I'm really proud of it um, and I'm I'm thrilled to be a part of it, it, it I say I'm, I'm super excited to see what we do next as well yeah right like I'm genuinely looking forward to it every, every Kickstarter I've done has felt like my first one in the Goblin Quest was my first time out on the scene, and then Unbound was my first one with Chris, and the first sort of proper A4 format book, and then Spire was the first one which had a backstory. And so now, like, I'm wondering how I—I I, I think I might actually believe that I'm legitimate now. <laughs> I don't know where I go from here. Oh. I guess I just have to do it again. <laughs> the next stage is RPG Messiah. Ah, oh, that'd yeah. be good. I'm looking forward to that. It's board games, mate. That's where the money is. Yeah, board games. Right, that's us. Bye. 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 The Spire Director's Commentary Podcast is a companion to the Spire RPG and features Grant Howitt and Chris Taylor. The music is by Arokia, hosted on freesound.org and used under the Creative Commons license. To learn more about Spire, explore related products, or buy your own copy, go to rowanrookanddeckard.com. <laughs>